I know that the discomfort of of the job that doesn't fit right now will, will be replaced by the discomfort of not having a job at all. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. If you're at the point of burnout where you're so stressed you feel like you can't function normally or you're no longer able to have a life outside of work or maybe just feel completely unaligned with your work. I don't even know if that's a word. Unaligned, not aligned, misaligned. And you figured out something has to change. You've probably found yourself wondering, what if I just quit? What if I just walked in tomorrow and said, I've had enough. Here's my notice. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, maybe, but maybe not. It turns out there's so many considerations when deciding if you should quit your job without another lined up. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're going to go over many of the different questions that we have found are helpful to ask yourself to determine, is it a good idea? Is it a good idea to quit your job without something else lined up? We're also going to discuss alternatives to quitting that most people have never even heard of or never considered. Does it have to be all or nothing? You know, again, the, the goal here is freeing up mental time, space, and energy to figure out what's, what's the best next thing, not just the next thing. Today, I'm joined by Megan Crawford, a career coach on the HTYC team. Megan has been a career coach since 2015, and before she became a coach, she worked in recruiting for 12 years, spanning many industries, including IT, accounting, finance, marketing, sales, design, and many, many more. During her time in recruiting, she was also an adjunct professor at Drexel University, specializing in career planning. Okay, so Megan's got quite a few years experience helping people make the decision on should I stay or should I go? And she does an excellent job guiding people through that decision. By the way, you can learn more about Megan, her background and her story in episode 499. It's a great episode. Okay, here's our conversation about how to decide if you should quit your job, particularly if you don't yet know what you're moving on to. Megan, you and I were on what we call a client health meeting behind the scenes. Okay, so client health meeting is where we talk about what's going on with each of our clients. And often we're asking the question, what's the next most important thing that they can do? Anyhow, you had brought up what I thought was a really wonderful topic at the time. You had said something along the lines of, what are the rules that we use as, as coaches, as a team, to decide if somebody should quit? Or is it a good idea or a bad idea? Is it helpful to their goals? Is it not helpful to their goals? Okay, so do you you remember that conversation, right? I do. I definitely remember. I think it's an important conversation, for sure. Well, I thought it was pretty novel because, as it turns out, we had never written any of this down, <laughs> ever. I mean, we we answer, we help people all over the world answer this question frequently. It comes up regularly, like rarely does a week go past where somebody's not considering that question. And, you know, we haven't really evaluated what is the collective set of rules. So that's what I was hoping we could do today and talk through what are the rules that we can use to decide, is it a good idea for someone to quit? 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk through some of the best questions to ask yourself if you're considering quitting or if you think you're committed to quitting without having a job lined up. And we'll then, towards the end of the episode, talk about some other alternatives that most people have never heard of or thought about. Okay, so let's talk about question number one here. Financial feasibility. Is it feasible financially? Now, this was one of the things, Megan, that you and I had discussed uh, off the get-go when we were in that meeting talking about particular client situations. And this is partially, you know, how much runway do you have? How much money do you have in savings? Is it, if, if it's less than three months, what we've often found is it's not usually a good idea. And we'll talk about why here in a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Some of our clients, I think, imagine a time period, oh, I'll find a job in three to six months and I should be fine. But they often need a decompression period. And that three to six months isn't necessarily spent finding or even be being able to know what that next opportunity looks like. So I think it's it's usually longer than you think it might be. Yeah. I can't say that I can think of any situations where we've had with our clients where it was way shorter. No. It's almost always much longer than they initially predict. Right. I don't want them to not be hopeful or be looking in the right places and it could happen, but the likelihood is very low that that perfect opportunity or even great opportunity or really nice opportunity is going to happen within that three month period right after quitting your job. Well, and I think that one thing most people don't realize is that even when you know we're working with our clients, which means that they have our help, and this is something we do literally every day. This is you know part of the reason we exist. It's what we do. It's what we love to do is help people find their ideal and then make that transition. But even when they have that help, on average, it's an eight-month time period for transition. So for right. folks that are going alone, it either is longer or they may not make it to what they consider their ideal. And the theory, I think, is that if I give myself more time and I can focus on this full time, then it should be able to be done very quickly. And I'm curious, what have you seen? How many times does that work out in your experience? You know, it's funny, the the variables that you don't know yeah. in that in, in all of our situations, when you're out there looking for the right opportunity, there's so many more variables that you can't control or even know. In a perfect vacuum world, sure, I think that would be great, but that that doesn't happen in reality. I think there's a lot more like we do. We do the experiments. So why we do some of the experiments that we do because we don't know what some of those variables are just starting out. And I think clients run into that straight away when they're considering leaving. Well, and I think another thing that people often don't consider too let's say that I do have substantial savings. Let's say that I have several years worth of money Mm -hmm. and savings. That's great. However, the flip side of that is when it comes time to invest or utilize that money, am I going to be comfortable with spending it all? And yes, true. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it can be looked at as an investment. However, if it's gone at the end of a transition, if you spent 8, 10, 12 months and it's completely gone, maybe that's maybe that's $50,000, maybe it's $100,000, whatever it is, are you going to be okay with that at the end? 
Well, right. And one thing that I find too, is that especially high achievers, they're Mm -hmm. used to a certain amount of money coming in. Like that is just there. They are used to that and it's part of their cadence. And when that stops, there is a a point of paralysis almost that they feel like they can't move. And, And that is something to truly think about. How is this affecting your your ability to really think and have mental energy and space to make choices for what's next? Well, and I think that's a really wonderful point too. And that leads us to our next question, which is what pressures are absolutely going to pop up along the way? And I find that even though we can ask this question, most people don't realize what pressures are going to pop up. They can't necessarily anticipate. Now, we have the benefit of we've done this very literally thousands of times with people all over the world. So we start to see the commonalities that happen in <laughs> in when people are considering quitting or actually do quit. And one of those things that happens is there is often a set of psychological pressures you you mentioned high achievers. They feel like they, they feel it when that income is no longer coming in. But there's also often with those high achievers the pressure to produce in one way or another. And it it can absolutely feel nutty. It can feel crazy. Like you're going so let's say that you're going from one situation where it's like, I can't tolerate this anymore. You know, we've had a merger. I'm no longer working with the same people. And I've got to got to get out of this because it's creating a lot of stress. But then you go into another arguably very stressful situation too, because you haven't adjusted to not not achieving, not producing. And it feels a little bit like going from the frying pan to the fire. And most people don't anticipate that, I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think, and I know that the discomfort of of the job that doesn't fit right now will, will be replaced by the discomfort of not having a job at all. That's just reality. It sounds like everything is going to be alleviated by just quitting the job and that I can fix everything then, you know, when this happens, then I'll be happy and everything will be fixed. But that's simply not true in all of the instances where I've worked with clients on this specifically. And so the goal then, how can you alleviate the discomfort and free up mental space, time and energy to to really, in my opinion, create the plan for what's next? It's interesting too because you know that discomfort will show up in other ways as well <laughs> and i love what you're talking about in terms of it's going to be repl- one dis- type of discomfort is going to be exchanged for another type of discomfort another way that discomfort can show up and another type of pressure that will pop up along the way will likely be social pressure often mm. this hit will hit around month 3 4 5 And it can come up in really simple ways too. Like you see a friend that you've seen once a month for the last few months and that same friend is saying, hey, what are you up to over the last few weeks? And they know that you've been in a transition. And for the third or fourth or fifth time, you are telling them, well, I'm still investigating, still exploring, still (laughs) looking. I'm still exploring. Yeah, I'm still, still out there, still exploring. And even though this is true, and even though this is actually a really healthy way to be able to make a transition, provided you have your other things like financials lined up, then it still doesn't necessarily mean it feels good, right? It- no, it doesn't feel good. And I think the important thing here is just really expecting it. It's going to happen and planning for it and knowing knowing that those emotions are going to pop up mm-hmm. and having in your brain what 
what you're going to say and be, and just really standing in that and, and feeling that it's okay to be exploring, but uh, knowing ahead of time that that's going to happen, I think is important. Well, and you mentioned earlier, developing, if you're going to go ahead, part of developing a plan in this particular case is knowing what you're going to say. How are you going to respond to this? Because you can predict that that's going to happen. We all, we, we know that that's going to happen. I promise you some version of that is going to happen for yourself. So how will you respond? How can you be okay with having that interaction and not worrying about it and not distracting from the ultimate goal of finding what is your version of ideal? And we've, we've already talked a little bit about finances, but financial pressure will pop up in other ways too. And even if you have, even if you have already planned to spend that savings, I mentioned earlier, are you going to be okay with it actually being gone? Because often after you get several months in and you haven't necessarily experienced uh, what many people might consider to be a light at the end of the tunnel, then it will, <laughs> it will feel different. Even though it's all part of the plan, all of a sudden, you know, that $8,000 going out every month that is on normal expenses is going to feel different than it did two or three or four months ago. And I think just, just to add on to that, I think it can skew how we make our choices if, if that's added on emotionally, that, you know, that, that financial pressure will just make us look at opportunities very differently, yeah. not with as much clarity, I think, that is useful if there's, if there's all of that pressure. And, and if we're not expecting that pressure and sort of dealing with it ahead of time. Well, and this is this is something that has been pretty well proven too. This is not just this is not just well, this is likely to happen to other people. We as humans have a tendency to respond to loss very differently than potential gain. So even though I might know that this is all the, all of all of this investment and spending and and monetary expenses going out the door is for the greater good, it doesn't necessarily mean that it feels that way in the moment. Because what we might see on any given day is that the bank account is now $8,000 lower than what it was the month before, and I don't have any offers necessarily yet. So we as humans, and Daniel Kahneman's done a really great job of doing work in this area, and what happens is that when we are experiencing loss as humans, what happens is the potential loss or the actual loss persuades our behaviors more than the potential gains. This is the human tendency. Okay, so here's another factor too, another question for you too. We mentioned earlier the social pressure, right? So social pressure can come from friends, it can come from family, it can come from your partner, your spouse, like it can come from a lot of different places, your kids, all over the place. So if we take that one step further and we say, okay, well, what can you do to allow these people to support your decision? And are all of the people in your world that need to support this decision ready to support this decision? And I think just, just thinking about a client I had recently and her biggest support was her husband. But when we started talking, it was her whole family. I mean, she really needed to consider all the people that she interacted with on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, she needed to sort of have conversations with them 
Um, and she didn't even think about it until we were talking that, listen, these conversations are going to happen. It's not that you need their permission, but giving them a heads up beforehand might be more empowering than telling them after the fact, right? And even practicing. It's a way to practice how it will feel on after you've quit or when you're going into quit. It's almost practicing that conversation and, and affirming for yourself, is it the right choice? I can definitely say that if you don't do this, if you don't, if you don't practice, and if you choose not to fully get people in your life that are important to that decision or need to support that decision up to speed, it will not go well. It will not be a great decision, even if everything else is lined up, even if you have the finances, even if all the other things are in place, but your, your partner isn't supportive, then... That's, that's not going to be a great decision for you. It's certainly not going to help you get to your ideal that much faster. And when I left Target, it's been many years ago since this happened, but the way that I did it, I thought that Alyssa and I had talked about it and we'd had many conversations about it. But what I didn't do at the time that you pointed out is I could have practiced those conversations with someone else because it was a critical set of conversations. Alyssa and I really, truly needed to be on the same page before I left. I thought we were we were not. So when I came home and told her that I'd quit, she rightfully freaked out a little bit. And since that point in time, it's been okay. She made me promise again that I would never, never leave another, <laughs> another situation like that without being implicitly clear first and us being on the same page. And we set some ground rules to be able to do that. So it led to ultimately a better relationship. But I will tell you, it was not fun at the time for that particular transition. So yeah, to your point, Megan, you can, you can avoid all that just by having just a plan. Yeah, yeah, just practice I think, it. I think it's pretty powerful and you might even feel more confident in your decision by doing it. Yeah. Right? And the people in your life will thank you. <laughs> we'll feel much better about it. Absolutely. So, okay. We've run through a variety of questions and also places where people can anticipate and plan you know, ranging from, is this feasible financially to what pressures are going to pop up along the way to how do you ready the people in your world to support this decision? But what about other options besides completely quitting? What about, what about if there was gray area in the middle? What if it wasn't just, should I stay or should I go? Uh, one of the things that we found is that if we are only looking at it as a binary decision, chances are high that we are going to make a not-so-great decision for ourselves. Often, we need to consider many other options. And if it's binary, if it is just, do I choose one or two, one or two, then we haven't fully considered what is available to us. So what are the other options? What if you had more than two choices? Could you take two weeks vacation and pretend that you've quit to test if it's the right decision? Or even just taking a, a day off we had a client recently who did this. I asked her, we're having this conversation about whether she should quit or not. And I asked her to take a day off. It was not a planned day. I really wanted her to sit with the notion of quitting, you know, go away from work, not allowed to log on to work, really get out of the house, really sit with this idea. What would the words be that she used to quit? What would it feel like to sit in a day and not have anything planned out? to do and really just consider what does it look, feel like, taste like, how does your day feel without a job? That's a great point. And it may not take substantial time to determine that. Some people might know right away 
as well. So that's a great way to ooch your way into it. What? It, it, I mean, here's a whole bunch of other ideas too. What about a leave of absence or part-time or even sabbatical if you want to do something longer? And a lot of people don't think that these are potential options for themselves, but we've worked with many, many people over the years that have felt like this probably isn't going to be an option for me, not at my work, not at my situation, not my boss. And instead, we'll often work with them to have one or a series of conversations to explore what that might look like, especially if, and think about it this way, if your goal is to leave, like what's the worst that could happen in some ways? If you're going to leave anyways, it might be worth exploring what are those other possibilities and being as transparent as you possibly can, as transparent as it's going to be productive and helpful for yourself and your boss. So here's what that might sound like. It might sound like, Going to your boss, scheduling a separate time, saying, hey, it's, I've got something important that I want to talk to you about, setting time aside that's away from work. And it could just be as simple as, hey, you know what? This has been going on for a while. I am approaching burnout and I really thought it would go away and it hasn't. You know, I recognize that if I keep going, I'm going to need to quit. That's not good for you. It's not good for the team. It's not good for me. So, I want to ask your help and advice and partnership and try and figure out an alternative way to go. Here's a few ideas that I've come up with. Can you help me explore these? And it might be that simple of a conversation done in that way. And if you're if you're considering completely quitting, could you could you take a bridge role? We've talked about that a lot at HQIC and there's other options, freelance work, contract work. Could you go part-time? Really ha- dig deep in that conversation. Like you said, really what do you have to lose? If you've already decided that you're quitting, could you make it a little bit better for yourself day to day without straight up leaving? Okay. Does it have to be all or nothing? Again, the the goal here is freeing up mental time, space, and energy to figure out what's what's the best next thing, not just the next thing. And I actually have a, a great example, like with a recent client for me about boundaries and When I started working with her, she had already done the leave of absence. She was on a leave of absence for a month with her employer because she had reached burnout. She was all done. She she sort of decided that she was going to quit. And her plan when I started working with her was to go quit, (laughs) to go quit. And and so I said, "Could could we think about it a little differently? Could we go in and have a conversation with boundaries? To your point, she had already decided, I'm leaving. So what could happen if you just said, Hey, I don't want to work 24 hours a day. I don't, I'm shutting off my computer. I need these things to make this period of time work better for me. And that's exactly what she did. She, she made the situation just slightly better. She had some breathing room to have the space and the time to, to figure out what she wanted to do next without quitting. <laughs> and I think that All of these are really wonderful considerations. Are they going to be right for every single person? No, absolutely not. And that's part of the reason why we're trying to give you a set of options. That way you can pick and choose what might be applicable to your situation. But what I will tell you is that even if you decide on the other side of this episode or the other side of developing a plan that quitting is the right option for you, then at least you'll have done so with reinforcement and a plan to to be able to leave and do so in the right way for you and your company and your boss and the other people that you work with too because it's not just about you it's about all the people that you impact in your world and if not hopefully we've given you a range of different ideas and how that could look and considerations 
that you can use to pick and choose from along the way. So if people are considering, should I quit? Should I stay or should I go? Should I leave without something lined up? What's the biggest piece of advice that you would give them, Megan? Try to, try to think about their situation a little bit differently. Like, is quitting the thing that's serving them for their long term? I always mm-hmm. ask people to look at not just the right, the short term. Can you have a little bit of foresight and say, okay, will this help me or hurt me six months to a year from now? And if it's going to help you, then make make that choice, right? I love that. There's a book that is called Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath. And this is the last place I've seen this exercise a lot of different places, but this is the last place I saw it where they use the 10, 10, 10 rule. Is this going to feel Mm -hmm. good 10 minutes from now, 10 days from now, or 10 years from now? Maybe it's 10 months from now. I don't actually remember. (laughs) I don't know. Either way, is this going to feel good? I love the premise. (laughs) Is this going to be a great idea in both the short term and the long term? And that's what I hear you suggesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if you've been thinking about making a change for a while now, and you don't really know how to best take the first step or get started, here's what I would suggest. Just open your email app on your phone right now. And I'm going to give you my personal email address, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just email me and put conversation in the subject line. Tell me a little bit about your situation and I'll connect you with the right person on our team where we can figure out the very best way that we can help you. Scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Drop me an email. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. In this job market and in today's day and age with just how like innovative people are, like you have to do something different if you want to get to where you want to be. Imagine you open your email and there in your inbox is a message from your ideal organization telling you about an open role they think you would be great for. After a well-deserved celebratory dance break, of course, obviously, then you can pat yourself on the back because you made that happen. Okay, this this might seem a little far-fetched and seem sort of out there, but this could be your reality just months from now. There are ways to engineer situations to become the perfect candidate for your dream organization and then build relationships that get on the hiring manager's outreach lists. Okay, so a lot of times if you've been a hiring manager before, it's not necessarily this formal, but it absolutely is the way that it works. As soon as you know there's a need in an organization, then you start to think to yourself, who could fill this need? Okay, well... If that's the case, and you know that, you can use that to your advantage in some really positive ways for yourself and the organization and the hiring managers. All this can be your reality, but you have to be willing to do things drastically different in order to stand out. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out. Adios.